What if I told you there's an EV that you could buy today for well under $3,000, which could cut your total vehicular emissions by 25% and pay for itself inside eight months. Plus, you don't have to give up the car you already own and possibly even love. Would that be of interest to you? Context is going to be everything in this report, so here goes. The car industry is obviously rushing headlong into electrification, and together with various vested interest groups, they're all quite busy educating, if that's the right word, at least educating the ignorant, that EV equals good, combustion equals bad. A simple but deeply flawed message. I'm not anti-EV. I drove one for a year. It was awesome. EVs are great for clean air in our cities and they're very good for national energy security also. And I did not miss filling up at the servo. Not once. But they are very expensive, EVs, and they really don't help the climate problem all that much. Car makers currently build massive, expensive EVs, which almost nobody can afford. And Nobody explains that you cannot consume massive additional natural resources and hope to solve the climate problem. In Australia, the climate problem is coal, and nobody in a position of power really wants to talk about that. Because the fossil fuel sector is a huge political donation machine. Cars are a climate sideshow, but they're really easy to demonise and thus take the spotlight away from coal. Also, when you investigate EVs, the actual economic payback period for the end user is, in many cases at least, longer than the useful life of the vehicle. So there's that. What we desperately need, in fact, is a fleet of lightweight EV options suitable for short trips. So I'd suggest it would be impossibly excellent if an Australian company could today sell you a really small EV with a tiny footprint in every sense, which pays for itself fast and which makes a real dent in your transport CO2 contribution. Would it not also be grand if such a conveyance was fun while it eased congestion and got you out of peak hour gridlock? Now, this is not for everyone, clearly, but it would work for enough people to make a real difference. This is the Mirth GTS Max. Essentially, it's the BMW M3 competition of e-scooters. Mirth is an Australian company. So that's nice. I've been playing with it now for like several weeks. And by playing with it, obviously, I mean reviewing it for you diligently under tightly controlled test conditions. And because I live in... <coughs> New South Wales, there's a limit to what I can tell you about exactly where those tight test conditions have been imposed and exactly how much fun it has been doing that. Suffice to say, look at it dude, this thing is the e-scooter you ride towards a frigging zombie apocalypse with your Olight Warrior X3 zombie slaying lightsaber. Hashtag 
not sponsored, but link in the description. Now, total power of the system here, 1200 watts. There's a motor at each end and 1200 watts, dude, this thing honks to its official speed limit of 25 kilometers an hour in the public domain. 1200 watts is actually 1.6 far laps when I think about it. So there's a lot of grunt there. And the total payload capacity of the system is 150 kilos. So we are go for fat bastard operation. <laughs> Although officially, irrespective of mass, there is a limit of one human per GTS Max at any one time. It's quite hefty at 41 kilos, so mobile enough when it's on the wheels and you can lift it in and out of the vehicle if you're sufficiently able-bodied, but three flights of stairs is gonna present a real challenge. Okay, so if you do have to deal with those stairs and the weight is gonna be an issue, Murph can sell you a lot lighter scooter than that, compatible with flights of stairs, like the S-Pro, which has hot swappable batteries and a range per battery of about 45 Ks, and it tips the scales at 15 kilos, and it costs you less than a thousand bucks. Beneath the floor is an LG battery pack, about one kilowatt hour, which is a lot of energy. The new Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid, however, has 20 times as much battery capacity, and the Hyundai Ioniq 5's battery is almost 80 times bigger. Demand on the Earth's resources is obviously closely related to the mass of the product. Just deep diving into the specs here, you know, the battery on the GTS Max is protected against overheating, short circuits, overcharging, and overcurrent. So you'd really have to try to damage this thing. And although I know the gauntlet has gone down, I'd suggest whenever it does go down in this manner, humanity does seem to have this innate knack of just stumping up a better idiot at a moment's notice. So there's that. Anyway, the range is 70 to 100 kilometers on a single charge officially, but of course, depending on gradient and gut, your mileage may vary. Every insufferable green utopian will tell you ad nauseum if you let them, about how preposterously efficient EVs are compared with internal combustion cars. And this is like everyone with skin in the game, from electric Jesus down the food chain, right? EVs, so efficient, and the population goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? But I'd suggest that the fundamental inefficiency problem with internal combustion cars is exactly the same as the fundamental inefficiency problem with EVs because we're using a massive machine to move a small amount of humanity. And physics only cares about the mass, dude, okay? It's a small amount of human by mass moved by a huge machine. Therefore, you need to devote so much energy to moving the machine relatively speaking, okay? And this is inefficient from a transport efficiency, transport economics point of view as a one-off. But imagine doing it with millions of people every day. Cars are just such a preposterously shit way to get hundreds of thousands of people to the same place at the same time and then all back home again nine hours later. And you know that this is inefficient if you are stuck in that 
peak hour traffic, right? That's not even driving, dude. It's wasting your life in traffic. And if you've ever wondered about the ghetto physics of that, let's say that you've just picked up your shiny new Kia EV6 or your Hyundai Ioniq 5, which you've been lusting after and they've been drip feeding out there to willing buyers, you know, who are queued up over the friggin' horizon. Here's how this plays out. 2.1 tonnes of EV with 100 kilos of humanity in it going to work, being insufferably green and virtuous. That's a total of 2.2 tonnes, of which the human component is only 4.5% of the payload, right? Compare that with the Murph GTS Max, okay? 40 kilos of machine, and 100 kilos of human. It's 71% human out of the total of 141 kilos. So you're moving much less mass from A to B, and it's much more efficient in terms of how much energy is required to move the person, okay? As a proportion of the total energy budget to move the system from A to B. So if we use 10 kilowatt hours per tonne per 100 kilometres, which seems to be pretty much a constant across all kinds of electric, battery, lithium-ion transportation, all right, 50 kilos of range, which you might drive to and fro work every week, that requires 11 kilowatt hours of energy to do in your shiny new electric car, okay? Or 0.7 kilowatt hours, like 700 watt hours of energy on your e-scooter, okay? So this is a 15-fold difference in energy, not 15%, 15 times different. And dude, the climate problem is the energy problem because whatever energy you use, there's a cost. There's an Earth's resources cost. There's a CO2 footprint, embodied energy cost. Here's how to turn 11 kilowatt hours into 700 watt hours, reduce the total energy by 15 times, and it's off the shelf, available now. We don't need some friggin' propeller head to invent preposterous new technology that might not pay off for 20 years. We just need to change how we think about getting to work and back, okay? And not everybody can do this because not everybody is able-bodied and some people need to move hundreds of kilos of materials and tools just to get to the job site, right? But there's enough people who just need to get themselves and a cut lunch to work and back for this to make a difference. And let's not forget, a scooter takes up this much space, whereas a car takes up kind of this much space. You can't just put your car under your friggin' desk for the workday, can you? The GTS Max is beautifully designed. There are 10-inch pneumatic tyres, independent suspension, disc brakes at each end, and obvious rough terrain capability. A fire trail is going to be no problem. There is some very serious R&D built into this device. The last thing humanity really needs is a further infestation of three-ton EVs and even more disingenuous brainwashing about this is how we save the planet. But if you want to make a difference to your CO2 and the household budget and things of that nature, congestion and air quality, then, dude, I think we've found 
a real winner. On private property, you can take your GTS Max off the chain and attain speeds of up to 70 k's an hour, which is properly evil Knievel on a 10-inch tyre. In the public domain, however, speed is capped at 25 k's an hour, which is about as fast as average healthy people can run. That's just over the average speed of a top echelon runner in the annual City to Surf. And if you're not from around here, that is Sydney's premier so-called fun run. So e-scooters are not silent but deadly. There has never been a benign mode of transport in all of human history, obviously, but a current affair and other quality journalistic outlets of that nature can jam their biased bullshit coverage of e-scooters deep in their digestive tracts, in my view, and I will leave it to you to determine which end would be most appropriate. A modern e-scooter is efficient personal transport. You can ride a pedal-only push bike a lot faster than an e-scooter, even on the flat, but you will arrive at the office in something of a lather if you do that in December. The GTS Max is IP54 rated, and the 5 in the 54 means the second highest dust protection rating, while the 4 means protected against water splashed from all directions. Your GTS Max will arrive in a dirty, big, heavy cardboard box. Mine arrived relatively intact, despite looking like the courier had taken it door-to-door in Ramadi. I do not know how they manage that level of abuse, so damn dependably. There was a minor dent on the cladding over the rear suspension and a little crack in some plastic around the battery voltage display. Like, dude, it had copped a dirty big shunt in the van. And I'm not blaming mirth for the conduct of the courier, obviously. And as a reviewer, I just decided to literally roll with it because it was perfectly serviceable. But I know mirth would have sorted it had I been a consumer with my own money on the line. Anyway, I'd suggest that surviving the courier from hell durability test bodes positively for the future overall. And it is very well packaged for shipping. Mirth did send me the GTS Max for free, by the way, but they're not paying me for this review, they're not seeing the review before you do, and they're not collaborating with me and my comments in any way. They saw my EV coverage earlier on the channel and said, Dude, we make these kind of non-obese EVs. Do you want to review one? And I kind of said, okay, here we are. A politician could put one of these together out of the box, too. It is that simple. Probably a little bit too hard for a cabinet minister, now that I think about it. But a diligent backbencher would probably be okay with it. Obviously, not ScoMo. And only one tool is required to get this job done. A 4mm Allen wrench, which is supplied, and it's actually a pretty good one. Totally unlike IKEA. I think I'm going to keep it. Anyway, you really just have to unbox it and screw on the handlebars and check that it boots up and then plug in the charger and make sure it charges. Remember that the GTS Max has two charging ports but only one charger is standard. Okay, so that's a trap for young players. However, before donning Mr. Knievel's white spandex jumpsuit and taking a run at the canyon or those buses, I would check that all of the other fasteners and the brakes, the tyre pressures and all of that, they're all just Goldilocks, just saying, not that I found anything amiss, 
it's just a really, really good safety precaution with all devices of this nature. If you buy an electric car, the break-even point, if you're buying it to save money on fuel, okay, you'll break even in 160,000 Ks or 200,000 Ks. It depends on the cost of fuel and your particular circumstances, right, the particular EV you buy, but it's no time soon, that's for sure, okay? So let's have a think about a real-world example here in the knee of Sid, which I'm you know, moderately familiar with because I kind of grew up in that area. Let's say, for example, that you are some vitally important front-facing customer service operative at the Department of Fucking People Over in Parramatta, okay? And you live at Dioxin Beach, which used to be called Silverwater until they passed the Truth in Geographic Names Act a couple of years ago, okay? Because I've seen those two-headed fish coming out of Homebush Bay, site of the... Union Carbide DNA Experimentation Facility there. You know, it's a thing, dude. Anyway, let's say you got to go from Dioxin Beach to Parramatta, which is seven and a half kilometres of commute there, seven and a half K back, okay? And there's a couple of different ways of doing that. You could drive, you could buy a GTS Max and use the multi-million dollar, grossly underutilised cycleway along the bank of the Dioxin River, okay? They're your options. It's actually quite nice on that cycleway. You see everything, you feel like you're part of society. You see all the discarded stubbies and the cigarette butts and the used condom wrappers, the discarded bong and even the occasional crack pipe, you know? You just feel like you're part of something, don't you? And you see the two-headed fish, so, and you wonder about nature, isn't it marvelous kind of thing? So there's a lot to see along the way. I don't think it would ever get old for example, you could use the cycleway or you could commute. And of course, if you commute, even in an EV, but if you commute in a combustion car, you're going to have to park it. It's going to cost you 12 bucks a day. I had a look at secure parking, the early bird deal, um, 12 bucks a day. That's 60 bucks a week just to park the friggin' thing. And you don't get anything for it, except your car is kind of there at the end of the day. So you can suffer in gridlock all the way home, you know. And 15 kilometres per day is 75 k's a week. And this is the least efficient driving that an internal combustion car can do. It'll probably be 20 litres per 100 k's if you're driving a Bogan special, you know. 15 litres a week, that's 30 bucks for the fuel, just so you can front up to work and get reamed out by the boss. And 60 bucks a week to park, that's 90 bucks a week. Or you can buy your GTS Max for $2,600 and you'll save 90 bucks a week, the payback period there to break even, 29 weeks, dude. And after that, it's all saving, right? You will save 90 bucks a week. Imagine knocking on the boss's office. How about you give me a 90 buck a week pay rise? Actually, you need more than that. You'll need about $135 of pay rise to end up with 90 a week in the hand, okay? So this is a way of getting an extra 90 bucks a week in the hand in about eight months' time, okay? So this really does add up for some people. Not everyone, obviously, but for some people. Plus, if you drive average Ks every year, which would be about 15,000, I think the total here is about you know, 3,600 a year or something if you use 48 weeks a year because you've got four weeks of holidays or something. It's in that ballpark 
there's a 24% reduction in the CO2 emitted otherwise by your driving, okay? There's 720 litres of fuel that you don't pay for or burn, which is a huge plus for national energy security. Well, it's not a huge plus if just one person do it, just you, who cares? But if a million people do this, that's 720 million litres of fuel, which is nearly a billion litres kind of thing, and that would be roughly 5% of the amount of fuel. So let's call it 3.5% if it's 720 litres for everyone. That's 3.5% reduction in our dependency on foreign oil. Okay, That's massive for our national energy security. And it's also nearly 1,700 kilos, like 1.7 tonnes of CO2 that you just don't emit. Now, at this point, you are doubtless asking yourself why I have not shown you any sequences of me out there on the road having a total blast in the GTS Max. And the answer is really simple, dude. It's because they are illegal to use in public here in New South Wales. New South Wales, of course, has one of the worst governments in the developed world, boasting that unique intersection of corruption, self-entitlement and incompetence. I wouldn't want a senior politician to take a dislike to me based on something I might have said one day and use video evidence that I provided of me breaching regulations on this as some excuse to roll the fixated scooter unit to my door for a little, you know, tate-a-tate down at the station with handcuffs and a friggin' rubber hose. I'll have more to say on that later in the week, so now might be a good time to subscribe and hit the bell. Anywho, suffice to say that the definition of a road, legally, it includes rather a lot of private property, including many privately owned car parks and areas of that nature. So just being on private property is not enough to escape authorities on the issue of the legality of e-scooters currently in this state. I was going to run the gauntlet too. I was really just on the start line to do that, but then someone I know tallied up the offences they could charge me with if the authorities really wanted to be bastards about it. And I just didn't want to donate several thousand dollars, which is what it would be, to consolidated revenue, even though ultimately it might have made the story better. The rest of the developed world, like, they must look at us and just laugh their double Ds off. This is hardly progressive, is it? E-scooters have been around for several years now and they are clearly part of the future transport mix and the other states and territories are even talking in that context, the RACQ and whatever, they're all talking about how we deal with e-scooters and how we do it safely and, you know, everyone else is collaborating and New South Wales is still just lurching from scandal to scandal, you know. New South Wales remains too busy with all of that to deal with trivialities like cleaning the air in our cities and easing congestion, etc. Today, dude, I'm going to leave you with this. E-scooters, even manifestly excessive ones like the GTS Max, they're affordable and effective and easy to implement and they cut CO2 and they pay for themselves fast and they ease congestion by getting you out of gridlock and they can be used safely in public. National regulations would be a good idea, but 
We've got regulations already in place elsewhere, so there's really not a lot of work to do in New South Wales. In my view, I just need to look down there at the ACT, which has it dead right. 25 kilometre an hour, like, make, that makes absolute sense as a limit. And, dude, wear a helmet because brain in a box. Don't ride like a dick. That's always a nice idea. So not through the harbour tunnel and not on the freeway. And give way to pedestrians. Might even be a good idea to wear gloves in case you have a little spill. It's always nice not to take all the bark off your hands, isn't it? You could get out of the way of cars while you're giving way to pedestrians as well. Like, how hard is this really? We're all in it together. You just have to be part of it and you have to work in with everyone else. It's called society. Now, finally, if you are the kind of uh, utter dickhead who harbours the absolutely toxic and unacceptable view that cyclists, and by extension, scooterists or whatever you call them, are vermin who should be banned or even less palatably scared off the road, my message to you is quite simple. Grow the fuck up, dude. These people out there on these devices, they're people just like you and you don't own the road or have a special entitlement to it because you're in a car. You're in a car in public with cameras everywhere. You don't get arbitrarily to play death race. Every bicycle, every scooter, every electric skateboard, whatever device, that is actually a car out there which is not part of the congestion gumming up the works ahead of you. These people are solving the problem which you are stuck in. And without them, I'd suggest things would be much worse. So... How about you give them a fair go, dude?